Well, I guess there's only one thing to start off this podcast with, and that would be rest in peace, Betty White. Of all the ways to end 2021, of all the ways for that year, last year, to come to an end, that was not the news I wanted to see. But otherwise, I hope everyone out there had a grand gay old time over the Christmas holiday, over the New Year's holiday. Hope you folks didn't get too drunk the other night over New Year's. And of course, for all you good woke folk out there, all you dopey white liberals out to show how down for the struggle you really are. I hope you also had a, well, I don't know if you say happy Kwanzaa or Merry Kwanzaa, whatever Kwanzaa, but however you say it, I hope you had a good fake holiday as well. We also, before we get this podcast underway, and this is, folks, the Miller Frost Podcast. I am your host, Miller Frost. And, yes, I am joined, as always, by my fake black friend, White Boy Malcolm X. But we have a couple of belated birthday wishes out there we need to get to because these are some of our favorite, well, I guess, We like to have fun with these folks from time to time. So first off, we would like to wish Ricky Martin, that old queen, a happy 50th birthday. Belated birthday, anyway. I think he turned 50 about a week or two ago. But I wonder, White Boy Malcolm X, I wonder if Ricky Martin, if he is still suffering PTSD over that interview he had with Barbara Walters, Baba Wawa, 20-something years ago. And if you folks are out there going, Miller, Miller, what the heck happened between Ricky Martin and Baba Wawa? Well, folks, first off, you really do need to listen to more of my podcasts. I would normally say that I don't have time to explain everything, but this one, folks, this is important, or at least entertaining. So 20, well, it was about 21 years ago, Ricky, folks, Ricky Martin, he was still in the closet. He was so far back in the closet, folks, he was behind the shoes. That is how far back in the closet Ricky Martin was around the year 2000. So Ricky, he sits down for an interview with Baba Wawa, and Baba, she had the audacity to knock on that closet door. And Ricky, folks... Again, he is so far back in the closet, he is behind the shoes. So Ricky's like, there's nobody here. There's nobody here in the closet. Well, Baba Wawa, she was not having any of that. She knocked again. Ricky, though, he was about in a panic. Go away, go away, go away. There's nobody here. There's nobody here behind the shoes. Please go away, go away, go away. And so I think it was about six, eight months ago. We had an article, and Ricky had brought up that interview, and he said at the time that he still was traumatized by that. He still had PTSD over that interview with Baba Wawa, 21 years later. And that's why I'm wondering, folks, if Ricky, having just turned 50, is still traumatized over that. He was also, of course, complaining at the time that he couldn't get any acting jobs, and he suspected, folks, 
he suspected it was because he was gay. He was a big old queen. I, of course, said, Ricky, you being a big old queen has nothing to do with you not being able to get an acting part. You can't get acting jobs because you can't act your way out of a paper bag. That is why nobody will hire you to act. You can't act. Now, you're a pretty good singer. You got that down pretty well. But just like Madonna, you can't quit when you're ahead. No. But anyway, happy birthday to Ricky Martin out there at 50. And we do have, folks, one other quick birthday wish. We want to wish Timothée Chalamet and his 12-year-old boy body. We want to wish both of them a happy 26th birthday. So all you groupie girls out there, all you old queens with Twinkie fetishes, and you know who you are, the ones that like the 12-year-old boy bodies, you too can wish Timothée Chalamet and his 12-year-old boy body a happy belated 26th birthday. So while I'm hoping that all of you good folks out there, you are having a grand gay old time over the holiday break, I know that there are quite a few of you who are not having a grand gay old time. In fact, I've got quite a list here, and we'll go through those before we jump into the rest of the podcast. You transgender rights activists out there, I know that you are definitely not having a grand gay old time if you've got access to HBO Max. Folks, I got an email from them last week, and the subject line, your letter from Hogwarts has arrived. And so I'm like, what the what? What is this crap about Hogwarts? So I opened up the email, and this is what it said. An event 20 years in the making. Join the legendary Harry Potter cast as they travel back to Hogwarts for the first time to celebrate 20 years of movie magic. Their retrospective special will tell an enchanting making-of story through all new interviews and cast conversations. Speaking of J.K. Rowling, though, folks, how's this from Breitbart? Guardian Person of the Year poll deactivated after J.K. Rowling takes lead. Folks, she is canceled, and those good woke folk over at The Guardian, they are going to keep it that way, even if they have to shut down their stupid poll. But anyway, back to that email. If that isn't inciting transphobia, I don't know what is. Everyone knows what a turf, what a bigot J.K. Rowling is, and as woke as I am, and let's face it, folks, I am the most woke person that I know, I find it hard to believe that her vicious transphobia didn't somehow make it into those books. How many transgenders are in the Harry Potter series? None. How many non-binary folks with their super special pain-in-the-ass pronouns are in the Harry Potter books? To my knowledge, none. So for HBO Max, those blooming idiots over there at HBO Max, to send out this hate mail, no doubt triggering all the good woke transgender activists out there. That makes me sick. You people at HBO, you make me sick. 
You know who else is not having a grand gay old time these days, folks? The pedophile crowd over at CNN. From the post-millennial breaking, Jake Tapper, yes, folks, that hysterical drama queen, Jake Tapper, producer caught in pedo scandal, resigns from CNN. And this is, allegedly, supposedly, possibly, maybe, the second pedophile they've caught over there at Woke CNN. You had Fredo Kumos producer, John Griffin. Now you've got Jake Tapper's producer, Rick Saleby. I think that's how you pronounce his name. S-A-L-E-E-B-Y. Two guys over there who get off on wanting to diddle children. And what's the phrase? Once is happenstance, twice is coincidence, which I don't believe in. And I certainly don't believe that's the case here. If they found two pedophiles over there at CNN, what's the bet, folks, that there are more? I would find it, well, just my opinion, but I would find it hard to believe those two are the only ones in the building. But I guess we'll see at some point, see if another creeper pedophile pops up over there at CNN. You folks in the fat positive crowd, you know who I'm talking about. The ones that want to be 300 pounds, and you're the bigot if you make a comment about it. You folks in the fat positive crowd, if this news is accurate, you are definitely not going to have a grand gale time, at least at the Olive Garden. From Restaurant Business Online, Olive Garden hints at end of never-ending pasta bowl, which I believe, and I could be wrong about this, folks, but I believe that was served in a trough. And I guess, at least according to this article, Olive Garden, they haven't offered that never-ending pasta bowl for about two years now. And their sales, even without that pig fest, or whatever you want to call it, their same store sales have done, they have not taken any hit with not offering that. So, since sales haven't been hurt by not offering it, they may, they may decide to toss out the troughs not do that anymore. And for those of you who are wondering, for $10.99, they would offer you unlimited pasta, sauce, and toppings, as well as unlimited soup, salad, and breadsticks. And can you imagine White Boy Malcolm X going into an Olive Garden, watching those people stuff their fat faces with never-ending pasta bowls? And that's rhetorical, sir, so shut your pie hole. I can only imagine, but whatever floats your boat. And lastly, for folks who are not having a grand gay old time, from Fox Business, NASCAR driver who unintentionally sparked Let's Go Brandon Chant says corporations don't want to sponsor him. So this poor kid, Brandon Brown, he drives a car over at Woke NASCAR. Poor kid, he's 28 years old. He's having a really, really, really hard time finding himself a sponsor. I guess all those good, woke corporations over there, they do not want to trigger their employees. They do not want to trigger their supposed customers. So they are not going to sponsor this poor kid, Brandon Brown. And this is what he had to say about that. It got extremely difficult for us. If you're a national corporation, that means you sell to all consumers And unfortunately, 
When you get dragged into the political arena, people want you to take a side. And he continued, It's hard for a brand to want to attach to someone who might be kind of divisive in their consumer base. If I'm going to divide Coca-Cola, why would they want to talk to me? Would he, though, folks? And this is rhetorical white boy Malcolm X. Again, so shut your pie hole. Would he actually divide woke Coca-Cola? I would have figured, just me, folks, that they would have run out anyone who would have voiced an alternative opinion, had an alternative thought other than the doctrine over there that they all rally behind at woke Coca-Cola. How they should show how down for the struggle they are when it comes to all the good woke activism out there. And it's funny because companies like Woke Coca-Cola, Woke Delta, Woke Nike, Woke Target, they're all perfectly fine going meh to Republicans, to conservatives. They apparently don't really care that much if they piss all them off. But they are not going to, folks, they are not going to piss off their employees, those blooming idiot millennial Gen Z kids in their offices, dragging their politics into work every day. Not going to piss them off. Not going to piss off all the good woke folk out there. The ones that get triggered anytime they don't get their way. So Brandon, good luck out there. Hopefully someone will come to sponsor you at some point. Maybe the My Pillow guy, Mike Lindell, someone like that. So let's go ahead and jump into things. And this first one, folks, is from The Advocate. Those girls over at The Advocate. Tom Daly slams sports leagues and pro-LGBTQ plus Christmas message. So I guess over in England, every Christmas, the Queen, Queen Elizabeth that is, she has a traditional Christmas message. Channel 4 over there, they have an alternative Christmas message which airs opposite the Queen. So this year, folks, to go opposite against the Queen, they got another Queen. They got that pocket Queen in a Speedo. Tom Daly got that Queen to come over there and yap, 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 about sports leagues in a Christmas message. And so Tom, after talking about how lucky he was to live his life as an out gay man, lived proudly with his husband, Dustin Lance Black, and their son, Robert, he tore into the fact that some of these sports events, they are held in countries like Qatar and Saudi Arabia, countries that just don't like members of the tribe, our lovable Star Wars bar of a tribe. And this is what that pocket queen in a Speedo had to say. In 2022, the World Cup is being held in the second most dangerous country for queer people, Qatar. Why are we allowing places that aren't safe for all fans and all players to host our most prestigious sporting events? Hosting a World Cup is an honor. Why are we honoring them? Hosting a Formula One Grand Prix is an honor. Why are we honoring Saudi Arabia? What is it with this queen wanting a new job? And we just talked about him, what, White by Malcolm X, a couple months ago? Tom was talking about banning countries from the Olympics. Well, his goal was to ban these countries from the 2024 Olympics in Paris. Ban them if they didn't have 
good gay rights records or something like that. I, of course, said at the time that Tom was just doing this so he could virtue signal to the tribe that or take out the competition that one of these countries perhaps had a really good diver that Tom didn't want to go up against in Paris. So it was like a twofer. He could pretend a virtue signal all while kneecapping one of his potential competitors. And I also said, why does Tom need a third job doing this activist shtick? He already has two jobs. He dives off a platform every four years, and he looks good for Daddy in his Speedo. Keeps that tight little body looking good in that Speedo for Daddy. Those were Tom's two jobs he didn't need anymore. But I guess he has one now, because now he's got that kid. So Tom got himself a third job, but now he wants a fourth job. Like, Goose that queen would want a fourth job. No. Goose, Gus knows his place. Gus skis down a mountain every four years, serves as a guide, an escort, a mentor, a pimp to that new gaby Colton Underwood, and Gus is out there looking for his own sugar daddy. Gus has three jobs. Gus knows his place. Gus ain't looking for a fourth job. This queen, though, this pocket queen in a Speedo, he just can't let go of wanting to be an activist as a fourth job. So I'm thinking, folks, again, what is driving this behavior? Maybe, possibly, Tom is thinking long-term. That kid he's got right now, that little baby, that kid's going to grow up one of these days, leave the house. Daddy, daddy's about 20 years older. Daddy is not going to be around forever. He is going to be too old to dive here in a couple of years. So he's going to be, at some point, out of all three jobs. Getting himself a fourth job as an activist, that could be the long-term plan, at least to keep himself busy, make huge bank doing that. Everyone knows that if you want to rake in good Benjamins, nonprofit work, that is where that is at. It could be that, long-term planning, or maybe he dated a queen from the Middle East. That relationship didn't go too well, and this is how it gets back at him. Burn it all down. Try to get all those countries ostracized. Could be that, but folks, and this is probably, I suspect, what it is, what is truly driving this behavior. Tom, Tom here is just naive, grossly naive, about how the world works. Thomas Hobbes, he had a view of the world that life was nasty, brutish, and short. Which, let's be honest, folks, that is the reality for the vast majority of the people on this planet. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's fair. But it is as it is. That is reality. Not everyone, in fact, Very few people get to live the grand gay old life that Tom Daly gets to. Hosting the World Cup in Qatar, hosting Formula One Grand Prix in Saudi Arabia, that is all about the Benjamins. Those countries reigning huge bank down to buy the rights to host those events. Tom here, he gets to humble brag about living his life as an out gay man. 
living proudly with his husband and son. And why, folks, why does he get to do that? Because Tom, or more likely Tom Sugar Daddy, they bought and paid for that life, which allows them that luxury. If Tom were living in a slum in a crappy part of London with a daddy who didn't quite have all the sugar he needed, you think those two are going to be sauntering about some dumpy area of London, living their lives as an out gay couple? No, that is probably not going to happen. But when you live in a bubble like Tom does, where you buy your way into areas where nobody gives a crap that you're gay, where nobody gives a crap about your sugar daddy or your kid, where in fact, because everyone wants to show how down for the LGBTQ plus struggle they are, people are going to put you up on a pedestal for living that lifestyle, fet you all about town just because of who you are or who you sleep with. So Tom, I've said it before and I'll say it again. You might want to read up on collateral damage, read up on the law of unintended consequences before you start going after these countries. I say, flood those countries with queens. Send every queen you've got to Qatar and Saudi Arabia during these events. And while you're doing that, let them pay for the privilege. That, to me anyway, is a much better way of handling it than this silly, virtue signaling you've got going on over there. But regardless, Tom, you have fun with that. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. From page 6. And folks, I don't have one story on this. I have two. The first one. Valerie Bertinelli shares tearful video about her body image struggles. And the other one, Bebe Rexa, whoever the hell that is, says she's the heaviest she's ever been, feels disgusting. So starting with Valerie, folks, Valerie went on to Instagram last week 
to kvetch about her body issues, and this is what she said. I'm standing out in the rain because I'm doing my best to distract my mind from spiraling to a place of self-loathing. Because I saw a picture of myself today, that made me want to do that. I am not where I want to be right now body-wise. I don't know if I will ever be, but when I see it right in front of me, it really does send me down that path. And I am doing my best to be positive and more full of joy, and hopefully my body will follow along. I'm not there yet. And Bebe, folks, she did not go on to Instagram to do the same thing. No, she went on to TikTok to do hers. And this is what she said. So it is the holidays, and I know we're supposed to be like Mary and like, yay, it's the holidays, which I am-ish. I think I am the heaviest I have ever been. I weighed myself just now, and I don't feel comfortable sharing the weight because I feel embarrassed. As an aside, she feels perfectly comfortable sharing the fact that she's the heaviest she's ever been. But just to tease you folks, she ain't going to give you that number. And this is how she finished up. I just feel disgusting, you know, like in my own body. So this is like, White Boy Malcolm X, this is like the, uh, the third or fourth woman now going on to social media to kvetch at least in the last couple of weeks. We had Bella Hadid. She went on to Instagram to tell everyone that she cried twice a day, every day, and that she's been doing that, crying twice a day, every day, for the last couple of years. We had that stupid chick, Nikki Jabs. She went on to TikTok to kvetch about her closet case she was dating She shows up at his place so those two can go to a store opening, closet casework retail. He took one look at that outfit and he was like, no, just no, you need to go home. So she goes on to TikTok to cry about that. And now these two crying and complaining about their weight. What is it about white women or mostly white women? I think Bella Hadid is half white going on to social media to shed their white women's tears whenever they're unhappy. Men do not do that. Not that a straight guy would, but not even queens, at least that I've seen. Not even they are going on to do that. Oh, I just feel so ashamed at how fat I am. It's so disgusting. The last thing a queen is ever going to do is point that out to the world. I don't even see BIPOC women doing this. Well, maybe Oprah if she wants to sell a book, but BIPOC women, they have way more common sense than to go on social media, shed those tears publicly over whatever is triggering them that day. Either that or they just, they do not want anyone to accuse them of acting white. And if you go on to social media, Start shedding those white women's tears. Oh, boo, boo. They are definitely going to accuse you of being white. So Valerie, Bebe, all you other chicks out there thinking about going on to social media, crying and complaining because you got fat over the holidays. I am going to let you in on a little secret. Everybody, everybody has body issues. AJKJ Appa. 
that fine specimen of a man. And I only say that, folks, just to make white boy Malcolm X happy over there. He does love his gingers. But even that perfect specimen of a man, even he, I suspect, has body issues, which is probably why he likes to get dressed up in drag. He has that alter ego Fifi that he likes to run around and do that. I bet you, Timothée Chalomé, I bet you that kid, and happy birthday again, by the way, Timothée, I bet he, with his 12-year-old boy body, I bet you even he has body issues from time to time. Especially when a woman's like, oh my God, it's like sleeping with a 12-year-old boy. George Clooney, who I think has been People Magazine's hunk of the year for the last, what, 15, 20 years running? I bet you even George Clooney has body issues out there. Every queen on God's green earth, and you queens know I'm right about this, every single queen out there has body issues. But, Valerie, Bebe, all you other ladies out there, 99.999999% of people manage to get by without oversharing that. Shedding their white women's tears over their body issues. And this reminds me a little bit of that movie Soap Dish. That was in the, I think the early 90s, but don't quote me on that. It had Sally Field in it, Robert Downey Jr., Whoopi Goldberg, Kevin Klein, bunch of other big names, at least back in the day. And it was a movie, it was a comedy about soap operas. And Sally Field, she played an aging soap star, insecure about her looks because they had a couple of hot young ladies on the show, made her feel bad about herself. So in the movie, to make Sally Field's character feel better about herself, one of the producers took her over to a mall in New Jersey, took her over there, then pretended to recognize her as a fan. So in the film, folks, Sally Field is inundated by these dopey middle-aged housewives in New Jersey in this mall just so she could feel better about herself, massage her self-esteem. So this, to me, is kind of like that, but the internet version of that. Valerie Bertinelli, Bebe Rexa, again, whoever the hell she is, Bella Hadid, Madonna, Grandma Madonna, writhing around like a demented old prostitute. Oops, I mean sex worker. They're all doing that, so the internet equivalent of a middle-aged New Jersey housewife rushes to stroke their overly frail egos. So Valerie, Bebe, you other ladies out there, I hope this makes you feel better. I hope that shedding your white women's tears for attention makes you feel better about yourself. I don't understand why you have to make it so public. Maybe, possibly, you have come down with a really bad case of Madonna syndrome. Oh, look at me, look at me. I'm still relevant. Whatever the cause, though, bless your heart and you have fun with that. From the New York Post, Professor's redefinition of pedophilia could help offenders demand rights. Should we even broach the topic of pedophilia, white boy Malcolm X, on our post-New Year's Day show. 
Tread carefully. <laughs> yeah, that I am going to have to do. So I guess there was this professor, Alan Walker. Alan is spelled A-L-L-Y-N. Typical millennial Gen Z kid. Can't even spell Alan correctly. And he, well, I guess was a sociology and criminology professor over at Old Dominion University. He, I believe, has stepped down or is stepping down, something like that. But Alan here, he got in trouble because he wanted to not call people pedophiles. He wanted to call them minor attracted persons. But I guess Alan here, in addition to that, he also has a book out, and that's called A Long Dark Shadow, Minor Attracted People and Their Pursuit of Dignity. And you high school teachers out there, I know what you're thinking. Teacher Bay, Teacher Bay, Teacher Bay. Wah, 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 wah. Settle down out there, you high school teachers. Like I've told you a thousand times before, never, ever, ever, ever get a boy to do a man's job. Remember, ladies, more Sebastian Stan, less little Timmy with two chest hairs. But we are not talking about a files, folks, which that is what a your typical high school teacher is, an aphibophile. We are talking about pedophiles. And the difference there is puberty. Pedophiles like prepubescent children. High school teachers or aphibophiles, they like them with a little puberty mixed in. And this blooming idiot, Alan Walker, who wants to rebrand pedophiles to minor attractive persons, he wants to make this, if this doesn't make you throw out white boy Malcolm X, nothing else will. But he wants to make this part of our tribe, our lovable Star Wars bar of a tribe. Because Alan here is arguing that the attraction to minors is a sexual orientation. And he stated, quote, the fact of children's inability to consent to sex is irrelevant to the application of the term sexual orientation towards attraction to minors, unquote. As if our Star Wars bar of a tribe isn't bad enough, isn't crazy enough, adding these perverts to the mix, like that's going to help to improve our image. And what do you say to something like this? If memory serves me correctly, White Boy Malcolm X, I think when we were doing our, well, the original podcast about 10 years ago, I think there was a story, and don't quote me on this, folks, but I think it was in The Advocate or one of those, one of the gay publications. And they had a story. This guy, I would say about 10 years ago, they were arguing exactly what Alan is arguing today. Attraction to children, that is a sexual orientation. And it should be treated just like any other sexual orientation. There shouldn't be any judgment if somebody is turned on by a four or six-year-old. That's just as normal as two guys being attracted to each other, two girls being attracted to each other, a guy and a non-binary person with funky pain-in-the-ass pronouns being attracted to each other. But this has been going on for quite some time. And like any good leftists out there, they are not going to let that go. You mark my words, folks. They are going to be pushing this as long as they can, as far as they can, 
And they will, at some point, I can totally see this, get minor attracted persons into the mix, not calling them pedophiles anymore. Hell, who would have thought, even two years ago, that you can't use the term mother? You have to use the term birthing person because because in 2021, your father can give birth to you. Speaking of which, and moving on to the next story, how is this from the Daily Mail? Transgender man who gave birth to his son criticizes medical staff for calling him mother and claims that it's important to stop automatically linking pregnancy with being a woman. So out in Los Angeles, folks, there is a man named Bennett Casper Williams. And yes, folks, Casper Williams, that is hyphenated. Bennett is 37. So yes, another over-entitled spoiled brat of a millennial. So Bennett here, way back in 2011, he figured out, he realized that he was transgender. A couple years later, about three years later, he decided he was going to do something about that. He was going to start to transition. In 2015, he got his breasts removed. And in 2017, he found his future husband, Malik. They married in 2019. They decided, soon after getting married, they wanted to have kids. And after looking over all the options on how to do that, they decided they figured out the best way for them to have a kid. That was to use Bennett's hoo-hoo to get pregnant. Yes, folks, Bennett Bennett still has his hoo-hoo. So Bennett comes off the testosterone treatments. He and Malik, they make sweet love. And lo and behold, Bennett, he gets pregnant. And in October of 2020, he gave birth to their son, Hudson. And so I guess while Bennett was in the hospital, he was constantly misgendered, even though, folks, he has no breasts and he has a beard. And this is what he had to say about that. The only thing that made me dysphoric about my pregnancy was the misgendering that happened to me when I was getting medical care for my pregnancy. The business of pregnancy, and yes, I say business, because the entire institution of pregnancy care in America is centered around selling this concept of motherhood, is so intertwined with gender that it was hard to escape being misgendered. Even with a full beard, a flat chest, and a male gender marker on all my identification, people could not help but default to calling me mom, mother, or ma'am. So in October 2020, during the height of COVID, a couple of nurses called this guy mom, and a year later, he's crying to the Daily Mail about how dysphoric that made him feel. Did I get that right, White by Malcolm X? Did I? Some nurses who, let's face it, folks, they have been beaten up six ways to Sunday over the last year, year and a half, especially those who have to work in hospitals because these nurses didn't check the chart to look up his super special pain-in-the-ass gender identity. He's throwing a typical millennial man-child fit. And that's rhetorical, white boy Malcolm X. So just sit there and look pretty. So yet again, folks, 
more Alice in Wonderland brought to you by the good woke folk out there. Bennett here. Bennett has his breasts removed, grows himself a beard, still has his hoo-hoo, which he is apparently never going to get rid of, and demands everyone call him a man with a hoo-hoo. At least Caitlyn Jenner, say what you will about her. But when Caitlyn came out and announced that she was Caitlyn, announced that she was female, Caitlyn had all the hardware completely updated. Caitlyn has breasts. Caitlyn has a hoo-hoo. Caitlyn is a woman. This one, though, typical millennial, I declare it so, so it is so. But hey, in 2021, or I guess now 2022, a man can have a hoo-hoo, and that's perfectly okay. That's perfectly normal. And if that offends you, if the idea of a man with a hoo-hoo, if that offends you, you are about to earn yourself a first-class ticket on a train to a re-education camp to get your mind right. And for our last story, folks, this is from Pink News. Those girls over at Pink News. Darren Chris says he's been, well, I'll just say crapped on, for wading into straight actors playing gay roles debate. So Darren Chris, folks, now he is not legendary, world-renowned gay-for-pay actor Benedict Cumberbatch, but Darren, he has played gay-for-pay three times. He was on that stupid show Glee. He did the assassination of Gianni Versace, American Crime Story. That also had triggered PTSD suffering, really bad actor, Ricky Martin in it, and Darren Chris here. He was also in Hedwig and the Angry Inch. So again, folks, three times, Darren Chris, he has played gay for pay. So he was talking to the Independent, and this is what he had to say about playing gay for pay. This is a really tough one because let's just say I've been, again, I'll just say crapped on. But he didn't say crapped on, folks. No matter what I say, I'm going to get into the same mess that I've always gotten in, which is me being what I believe is very fair and diplomatic, but nobody's interested in that because compassion is not currently in vogue, so I don't know what to say. I think for any role that you're up for, you want to know if you add value to it, right? And he continued, folks, one more paragraph. There are so many performances that are either straight roles given by queer actors or queer roles that are done by straight actors that are so beloved that we just don't talk about those. But if they're done poorly, we get up in arms and we blame it on the fact that this person isn't queer, this person isn't straight, as opposed to maybe they just weren't the right person for the job. This whole thing about crapping on gay-for-pay actors, when did this become a thing? All of a sudden, article after article after article about it. Why did this all of a sudden become a thing? Yes, I know queens want to get paid, even if they can't act their way out of a paper bag. And I'm talking to you, Billy Eichner and Michael Urie. Two gay actors yapping on, yap, 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 about only gay people playing gay roles. And I told those two queens at the time, and I'll tell them again, tell you folks out there. This 
the decision to put gay for pay in a role, like, again, world-renowned gay for pay actor Benedict Cumberbatch, Creeper Army Hammer, Timothée Chalamet, and his 12-year-old boy body. That decision to put folks like that in those movies, that is all about the Benjamins. The reason you have those actors or others in gay for pay roles is because people are willing to pay to see them. Nobody is willing to pay to see Billy Eichner or Michael Urie. Unless, let's just be, let's be fair here, unless they have a, they have access to the Hallmark channel or some stupid channel like that. You know, folks, the ones with the really bad movies, nobody will pay to see. Another thing, though, and with all due respect to Darren Chris, is anyone out there complaining about gay actors playing straight roles? No. Neil Patrick Harris. How many years did he play a heterosexual Lafario on How I Met Your Mother? Did anyone complain about him being straight for pay? No. How many, not that we'll ever know, but how many closet case queens out there in Hollywood right now are doing that, playing straight for pay? We had that story a couple months back that Kate Winslet, she knew at least four closeted men in Hollywood, four closet case queens who are no doubt stealing roles meant for straight actors. Will anyone complain if and when they come roaring out of that closet? No. And I was just saying this to Tom Daly, what, about 30 minutes ago on this podcast, about remembering collateral damage and the law of unintended consequences. Liberals out there, they always like to complain about conservatives and their Puritan demagoguery. Anytime there's a movie or a show about a dystopian future, it's always conservatives out to impose themselves on others. Liberals, though, they want a sexual orientation litmus test for acting roles, which is going to do one of two things. Either we're going to start having a lot of acting roles, a lot of parts in movies, where the character is, I don't know, a bit fluid, weirdly fluid on their sexual orientation, cover all their bases that way. Or in pre-production, they're going to play 20 questions, have themselves a McCarthy blacklist of sorts, going to an actor, and instead of asking, are you now or have you ever been a member of the Communist Party of the United States, they can send out a queen with a clipboard to ask, are you now or have you ever been a member of the LGBTQ plus community? And they can take that and blacklist gay for pay actors from gay roles. So you good woke folk out there in Hollywood, good luck trying to sort through all that with your gay litmus test. Good luck giving those talentless hacks like Billy Eichner and Michael Urey more paydays. Have fun ruining movies so you can pat yourself on the back because you got to trash gay for pay. Have yourselves a grand gay old time doing all of that. So on that note, since I cannot top a bunch of dopey liberals 
trying to destroy the gay-for-pay business model, trying to get substandard actors a payday they don't really deserve. Since I cannot top that, it is time to plug-pull this post-New Year's podcast. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us on this Sunday edition of the Miller Frost Podcast. I am your host, Miller Frost, joined, as always, by my fake black friend, White Boy Malcolm X. Have a great rest of your weekend, a good start to your week, and we will see you back here in a couple of days. In the meantime, take care. BetMGM welcomes you with a special offer on the NBA. Simply place a $10 Moneyline wager on today's game. If either team hits a three-pointer, you'll win $200 in free bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. Just use bonus code CHAMPION200 when you make your bet. BetMGM is proud to be an authorized gaming partner of the NBA. And there's endless ways to make it rain with the king of sportsbooks. Download the app or go to BetMGM.com and use bonus code CHAMPION200 to win $200 in free bets if a three-pointer is made in today's game. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. and Virginia only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700.